Dear friends, gather and invite you to pray with me. Let's just ask God to bless the preaching of his word. Heavenly Father, I do believe you accomplished the purpose for which you send your word. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Does anyone remember this guy, the Energizer Bunny? I know for you young people, it's been a while, and uh, you probably don't know the Energizer Bunny. But for us old people, he's still going and going and going and going and going in our minds, right? That was the tagline anyway. I bring up the Energizer Bunny because I want to talk about something with you that I think the Energizer Bunny represents, and that is this. In what category of life are you alike, the Energizer Bunny? In what area of your life are you going and going and going and going? To put it another way, what are you always doing? Now, for some people, they are always hungry. Have you met these people? They're called teenagers. It doesn't matter when they ate last, uh, they are always going and going and going with their need for food and more Mountain Dew, and that's just the way it is. Um, what about this? Have you met someone who is always talking? Their mouths are just going and going and going and going. Don't poke the person next to you. That's not nice. Um, what about this? Do you, do you know anyone who's always listening? Like, if you call them up, you know they're going to be a good listener. They're going to have time for you. We know those listeners. Or, or what about this? Do you know someone who always gives good advice? You're, you're stuck in a pinnacle. You don't know what to do. And whenever you turn to that person, they always guide you in the right direction. You, you know, I, I'm inspired by the pages of Scripture where I, I, I meet a young lady who's known for something spectacular. In fact, in the book of Acts, we, we find a lady, and, and I just want to share the Scripture with you. Uh, look what it says, uh, what certain lady is, is known for doing. It says, in Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha, in Greek, her name is Dorcas. I'm still waiting for a biblical resurgence of the name Dorcas, right? It has not happened, but anyway. But, but Tabitha was always doing good and helping the poor. And I'm not sure you can have a better reputation than Tabitha has on the pages of Scripture. Like, if I put this on my business card, always doing good and helping the poor, like, that'd be pretty good. If it was found on a resume, if that's what other employers said about you, that, that's a pretty good statement, Right? Tabitha's pretty great. Okay, but, but, but back to us. We, we need to do some soul searching. Uh, I really brought this all up to ask you the question, so what are you known for always doing? And, and maybe more particular, is it good? <laughs> when, when people look at you, when they, they see your activity, what, what, what do they think of always you're doing, and, and is it something good? And you might be asking yourself, well, Pastor, what should I known for always doing? What, what, what should people say of me? I'm glad you asked the question, because we're in this series called Selfless. You see, Jesus said, if you want to follow him, there is something that the followers of Jesus, they just always do this. See, see, he said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. And so what I believe about the Christian lifestyle is that Christians should be known for always being selfless. That if you meet a Christian, they're, they're known for focusing on you, helping you, serving you, because this is what Christ has called us to. But I also think there's some work we need to do in our hearts and in our souls. Because though that was God's goal for us, I'm, I'm not sure how many times we hit the nail on the head and hit the mark of that. And so we need to spend some moments hearing from God and looking at Jesus Christ so that maybe, maybe we can be more like him. So you ready to, to turn to Jesus? 
He's the subject matter of this place. He is the most beautiful thing the world has ever seen. He is our Savior, primarily, but He is also our example. And today we get to take a look at the book of John, and, and here we have an eyewitness, John, a disciple of Jesus, who wrote what happened in the upper room the night before Jesus died, uh, something remarkable that he did, not only for his disciples, but as an example for us. Uh, so I invite you to turn there with me now. Um, in, in your worship folder or on the screen, uh, we're going to take a look at that whole section and then pick it apart a little bit. There it says, it was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. He had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took out his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them off with a towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter who said, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize what I'm doing, but later you will understand. Be quiet, Peter, let me do this. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Be quiet, Peter, let me do this. Then Lord Simon Peter said, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, oh, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Don't worry, their whole body is clean and you are clean Though not every one of you, for he knew who was going to betray him, and that's why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you, he asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you continue to know them, if you study about it really, really hard, if you write it in a notebook. It doesn't say that, does it? You'll be blessed if you do them. And so this is what we're going to focus on. Don't worry, I did not bring towels and basins for us to wash each other's feet. We're not going to actually play it out. But could you turn to the person next to you and say, pick up a towel? Pick up a towel. That's what we get to focus on. All right, let's, let's dig into the Word of God today. Um, where are my techies? Does anyone just love technology? Raise hands. Who, who, who loves, loves, loves technology? I love technology. I love computers, smartphones, gaming systems. Um, and, and I remember where my love for technology was launched. It was when I got this device. Now, this, my friends, is an ancient relic when it comes to technology. It's called an iPod Mini. And uh, I remember using this so often, uh, many runs, you know, uh, many playlists, many good tunes on this thing. But, but what I recognize is that it is a dinosaur when it comes to technology. This was laying about on our coffee table, and my, my daughters both collectively said, what in the world is this? And actually, I had to teach them how to use an iPod, because they are way past iPods. And what I recognize about technology is that technology is great, but it often becomes obsolete. For example, I can't find much Apple support for this product. I have a hunch they don't want me to use it. They want me to buy something else. In fact, I've recognized that with iPhones. Anyone ever have to transfer from one iPhone to the next? Right now, I have an iPhone that has 16 gigs of, of storage. It takes 13 gigs of storage just to run the system. I think Apple is telling me it's time for an upgrade. 
So, so yes, technology is great, but it, it's horrible when it's obsolete, and it's also horrible when it doesn't work. You ever turn on your computer and there's a Windows update that lasts seven hours? You ever turn it on for the blue screen of death? That's fun. Technology is great, but it's not so great when it becomes obsolete and when it doesn't work for us. I guess what I recognize about our lives is that too often we're like an iPod mini. And, and here's what I mean. There are some really great people in this room. People that are inspiring. People that are serving. People that are helping. People that are like Christ. But as great as any one person is, what I recognize is at one time or another we become inconsistent. In fact, maybe even for a season we become obsolete. See, I know I've known and I've met many great people, but not everyone can always be on all the time. Do you recognize that about people? And so when we talk about faithful servants, something that I recognize is this. If you're taking notes, I believe it's impossible for us to selflessly serve always. In fact, the wisest man who ever lived named Solomon, he, he said it this way. He said, you know, many claim to have unfailing love, to always be consistent, but a, a faithful person, who can find? But friends, that's not just the story of people today. That's been the story since the beginning. I mean, you look at Scripture, and there's a man named Abraham who's the father of the faith, but Abraham was an adulterer. Abraham was a passive leader. His wife Sarah was a doubter, also a woman of faith, but doubted God's promise. The New Testament doesn't paint any better pictures. All the disciples had flaws. There's none of them that we can say, oh, that's a perfect one. Some argued about how great they were, and when people didn't follow Jesus, they wanted to send thunder down from heaven to burn those cities. Others were tax collectors, known thieves. We know Peter was a denier. I consider even the greatest example, the Apostle Paul. When, when everything was firing on all cylinders in his life, he still said, you know what, the good I want to do, didn't do it. And the evil I didn't want to do, yep, just did it. And here again I recognize why we've come. I have not come to look at any man or woman and set him on a pedestal. I have come to look at Jesus. And there's no one better. Because what I see is someone who is never obsolete, Someone who keeps going and going and going. Someone who is completely faithful in service. When we talk about faithful service, there's no one like Jesus. Let's look again at his faithful service. In verse 1, if we turn back there, look what it says. It says, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And I love the word for love. It's the word agape, which just means unconditional love. That God loves you not based on your performance, not based on you being the brightest and the best, not based on anything you're going to do for him. He loves you because he loves you, which is crazy. He loves you because he chose to love you, not conditioned on anything you do. And he loved his disciples, and he was going to finish well loving them to the very end. You see, the next day he would give his life for, 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 for the disciples, for all of us. And you have to love someone who finishes well. I need to tell you, that same love has always been going on for you and I. Before you were born, he had ordained all your days and had you in mind. Before you could ever choose him, you and I were dead in trespasses and sins. He chose us. 
Maybe through the waters of baptism or through the preaching of the word. Maybe he's calling some people right now to come alive. He's pursued you with his goodness and his mercy. For us believers, he has been walking with us, never leaving us or forsaking us, even working out all the bad for our good. And what I recognize about Jesus, if you're taking notes, is that only Jesus can selflessly serve us always, and he has. There's this awesome song on Christian radio right now. It's called The Reckless Love of God. Anyone hear it? I want to read some lyrics. It talks about this faithful God. I think we might even hear it sometime in this church. It says, before I spoke a word, you were singing over me. You have been so, so good to me. Before I took a breath, you breathed your life in me. You have been so, so kind to me. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Oh, it chases me down, fights till I'm found, leaves the 99. I couldn't earn it. I don't deserve it. Still, you give yourself away. Are these good words? And this is your Savior God. He's the standout. There's not a more beautiful servant in this place. But you know, I want to be like him. I know primarily he's my Savior, but I sincerely want to be like him. Does your heart, is it in the same place? That's the spirit. If you're like, I want to be that, that same person who is faithful like Jesus. And if we do have that desire, I think we need to be honest with an obstacle. See, see there is an obstacle and, and reasons that I think we become inconsistent. And um, it reminds me of all the categories that are good in theory. In fact, you could probably write a book about them until you actually do them. Like, I probably could have wrote a book about marriage before I got married and been really, really good, like really detailed. I could have had a book about parenting before I became a parent. Or a book about being a pastor before I actually did it. And so this idea of serving other people, like, I bet we could, you know, theorize it and make, write really good books about it until we actually do it. Because one of the obstacles is that there are circumstances and there are people that make it really, really difficult. That, that sometimes it's really, really hard to help even when your heart is in the right place. I remember this. Can I tell you a story? I was in college. I have a couple college kids here today. And my buddy and I were trying to save some money. So we thought it'd be a really, really good idea to cut each other's hair. And so we bought a clippers. And we didn't consult anyone who had ever done it. There were no YouTube videos that we watched. We didn't read a book. I went first and I went to it. I grabbed the clippers and it wasn't looking good like right away. But I'm like, I've been here. You, you work on blending, right? So I just got to change the clippers and the, 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 the levels and blend it. So I put more time and the more time, it got even worse. In fact, an hour later, it looked like he had a bad accident with a lawnmower. We had no blend. We had like waves going on. And, and I couldn't figure out how to get the waves gone. They were just, I'm pretty sure his mom was mad at me. But, but, but can you relate to this on any level? Have you ever tried to help someone and went sideways? Like you really, really tried to do something good, but they misconstrued or misunderstood what you tried to do for them. You truly tried to give good advice, but it turned out to be the wrong advice for what the situation they found themselves in. Maybe you even came to someone who 
You tried to help them, they were insulted by their need for help. You ever open a door for someone, and, and they're like insulted, like, I can get my own door. And kind of like, fine, do. But when we have that, that realization that sometimes, you know, we, we try to do it, it doesn't go well, and we even have a, a cynical phrase for this, that no good deed goes unpunished. And so, here's what I recognize. When you try to do the right thing, it turns out to be the wrong thing. It is completely frustrating. Anyone been there? Right? And if you've ever been there and you're like, Pastor, you know, this is one of the reasons I have stopped serving that person, stopped serving that situation. I get it. In fact, more than me, I believe Jesus gets it. You know, I think that because of this dialogue with Peter. Can I, can I brush back on that one? <laughs> Let's look at, so Jesus tried to do a simple thing like wash his feet, and look what Peter says. Peter starts by saying, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you don't realize what I'm doing now, but later you will understand. I really think he's saying, be quiet, Peter, let me do this. You'll get it later. Not enough for Peter. Peter says, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, this is like really important, so I'm trying to make a point here. Um, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. He still needs to just be quiet. Then, Lord, Simon Peter said, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Be quiet, Peter. At this point, I think, as I was interpreting, he is changing from a spiritual dialogue to just a, a purely earthly one. He's like, dude, I'm not going to give you a bath, right? This is only about feet washing. We're at dinner. So he says, those who've had a bath need only to wash their feet. The body's clean. Let me do this thing. I'm going to make a point. And Jesus could have been frustrated. Say, you know what? This is not worth it. All I wanted to do was prove a simple point. And here you are, Peter, having this dialogue. I tell you what. But Jesus is so good. And he teaches us something. Because he was faithful in service. And faithful service will always push past frustration. And maybe there's some people in the room been tempted to give up on someone or on a circumstance and you need to hear again go at it don't throw in the towel pick it up go at it we, we know it's difficult we know it's frustrating we know it didn't turn out well but do it again don't make it your excuse to stop right now go at it what I also recognize is this dichotomy between me and Jesus. How he can push past and how often I didn't. What I recognize is my need for forgiveness. If you're recognizing that too, I, I need to remind you that he has pushed past things for our salvation. He pushed past the cruelty of the world that was awaiting him and he came anyway. He pushed past a world that would not understand him and would reject him and he came anyway. He pushed past the agony of betrayal and denial, pushed past the agony of the cross, pushed past the agony of being forsaken by the Father, all so that you and I could be redeemed. And that is how we stand. And he's kept on going. Right now, he is still working. Jesus is, is not about a Savior who just did something 2,000 years ago, but a Savior who rose up the sun today for you, who is giving you good things right now, who is guiding you, nurturing you, caring for you. Even right now, he keeps going and going, pushing past who we are, how faithful, how good he is. 
I consider the picture that Scripture has for us. Him picking up the towel. Can you envision that? Can you go there with me? And I recognize that this is an example. Jesus didn't start serving when he picked up the towel, and he didn't stop serving when he threw away the towel. Rather, this is just his modus operandi of the whole of his being that ever was. He has always been serving in this way. And this, I believe, this picture of a towel wrapped around our waist, this is a picture of you and I and what we should be. And more communities and families and churches will be blessed if we, like Jesus, just pick up the towel to serve other people. But there's another obstacle standing in our way. So many of them. But one of them is the allure of power. The allure of power. And the allure of power is to use it only for ourselves. So sometimes we see the allure of power in someone who's been changed by the power afforded to them. For example, I don't know if you've ever put a child in charge. And certain children, they handle it really, really well. You know, teachers rely on them and houses are built by them. But, but there are other children who change from child to tyrant. They're called bossy kids. The child who says, mom said clean the dishes, mom said clean up my room, mom said give me your allowance. Right? A little power that goes a long way. Maybe you recognize this in a company. You had someone who was at one time a peer and now a superior, and you're like, well, I, I used to relate to you. Now you're not a very kind person. It's amazing what power can do to certain people. In fact, uh, we, we just started our men's group, and there's still room for people in our men's group. And we're, we're taking a look at the position and power that God has placed on, on men. And, and what I recognize is that go, though God intended for, for helping others, History proves that so often it has oppressed and, and hurt other people. In fact, if you read the history books, when, when too much power is afforded, we have a phrase for it that absolute power, can you fill in the blank? Absolute power corrupts absolutely, right? And then again, I look at Jesus, and we're not done looking at him. And as I look at verse 3, I consider all the power that he has. It says, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. There is no greater being than Jesus Christ. There is no higher authority than who he is. He had come from God as the Messiah, was returned to God as the Son of God. And that absolute power did not corrupt. Absolutely. No, he used absolute power to serve and to help and to save. Absolutely. And so what we recognize is this, that we are to use our positions and our powers to help. We're to pick up the towel. We're to say this power, this knowledge, wisdom, wealth, this prayer time, this, this ability, it wasn't given just for me, it was given to serve other people. You know, at Amazing Love, it's been my privilege to observe many people with towels wrapped around their waist figuratively. People like Amanda Ventura, who volunteers in our fusion program so that kids can have a great time learning about Jesus, their Savior. I consider Barb Warner, who you can find on a Saturday pulling weeds so that outside looks really, really nice. I consider a Mike Janovic, who spends time practicing to bring our praise to another level. I could go on and on and on about the towels that I see wrapped around the waists of God's people. 
And I got to tell you, I'm proud. I know we won't always be as consistent as we like to be, but I got to tell you, I'm proud to serve the Lord with you, to make much of Jesus whenever possible. And I want you to know there's always more room to either keep serving, to take it a notch up, or to get involved in serving. There's room to pick up a towel in this place and to make much of Jesus and make much of emptying ourselves for other people. And I want to tell you where it leads. See, I think there's a value of doing something over time. If you're an investor, you know the value of time in investing in compound interest. If you work out, you know the value of being consistent and investing that time and working out over time. I think there's a value of time if you've ever been a collector. Do you know any collectors in your, in your life? Maybe there are collectors of comic books or baseball cards. Maybe there are collectors of shoes. I think they make new closets all for the collectors of shoes. California closets, thank you. Um, for me, my, my dad was a stamp collector. Uh, he had collected stamps for years and years and years. He has stamps from all, all different countries. Um, he has collected them from Australia like every year. He has stamps from America from every age. He has ones from World War II with a blimp on it that I guess are worth a lot of money. And if you want to spend some time, just talk to my dad about stamps because he has books and books and books and books of them, right? And I consider again what time does as we continue to do certain things. Well, I want to remind you when we are faithful servants, what we do is not collecting stamps, but impacting souls. What we do together does not have earthly impact, but has eternal impact. And what we will hear someday is, well done, good and faithful servant. Come enjoy your master's happiness. This is what scripture proves. And so we will not forget the simple fact that when we serve the Lord, no matter the result, that God sees it. And that will be our inspiration. And that will be motivation enough. Because if I give my heart to Jesus as he gave his life for me, that will be enough. Do you want to join in? Let's keep going and going and going in service of Jesus so that eternity can look differently. May the Spirit so empower. Amen.